Welcome everyone. Tonight's learning is uh, sponsored by our dear friend uh, Rani Benjamini and his wife Lilo Nishmas, Rani's grandfather, Mani Bas Rivka, Alava Shalom, and Lakava, the two month yard site for Zahava's father, Rafal Yaakov Yusachar Nasan, Natan Ben, Chaim Yisrael Hakohen. So the Beganeda and Tehemenu Chasam. They should have an Eloi Neshama, they should go Mechayel El Choyel, and uh, they should be Melitze Yesharim for all of the respective families, for Simchas, Nachas, Psoras, Toivos, Arbias, Koyel Tzedek. Okay, so I want to speak about a subject tonight. This is a work in progress. First, I'll tell you a little something about Hanukkah, and then I want to talk about what tonight is about. The Gemara says in Masech the Kedushin, about the mitzvah of Kibar Avaim, Mechabdo Vechayev, Mechabdo Vemosa. That the mitzvah of honoring one's father and mother is not only a mitzvah when they're alive, but there's a mitzvah to honor them when they move on to the Olam HaMS. So let's just begin by way of introduction. Parshas Vayeshev. Parshas Vayeshev uh, speaks about the dreams of Yosef HaTzadik. And we know the Zohar HaKadosh tells us that the Kedusha of an upcoming Yom Tif is latent in... The Shabbos before, so in this Shabbos, Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev, you have all the Kedusha of the Yom Tif of Chanukah. And yet you look in the Parsha, and you don't seem to see anything about the Yom Tif of Chanukah. You have Yosef having a dream about the bundles of wheat bowing down to him, and the sun, the moon, the stars bowing down to him. We don't seem to have any connection to Chanukah and Parshas Vayeshev. Vashem here, Enai, the Almighty gave me a certain insight. And I think that the Neros of Hanukkah are actually alluded to in the dreams of Yosef HaTzadik. How's that? He's dreaming about bundles of wheat. He's dreaming about the stars, the moon, the, the, the sun. Where do we see anything about the Neros of Hanukkah? It's very interesting. Yosef has his first dream. It says, Vayachalom Yosef, Vayagidu Le'echav, Vayosifu Oid And they hated him more. More than what? More than what? This is the first dream. Yosef didn't have a dream before. It says they hated him by Yosifu. Oh, they hated, he hated him even more. That implies that Yosef had a dream before this that was not recorded. Because after Yosef relates the first dream, it says, by Yosifu, oh, They hated him even more because of his dreams, plural. What do you mean dreams, plural? He only had one dream so far. So the implication is, there's a hidden dream that Yosef had that the Chumash does not relate. Well, what's this dream all about? <clears throat> we know one of the famous commentaries on the Mishnah is the Bartanura. The Bartanura wrote a commentary on Chumash called Amar Nekei. And in Amar Nekei, he reveals that Yosef had three dreams. Two dreams that are spoken about, and one dream that's behind the scenes. What's the third dream? This is really the first dream the Torah doesn't talk about. The first dream is like this. In Parshas Vayechi, after the Petira of Yaakov Avinu, and this is very important to tonight's year, after Yaakov Avinu passes away and the brothers and Yosef come back to Egypt, the brothers are sweating, they're schwitzing, because they, they think Yosef's going to knock them off now. You know, They figured Yosef only had Rachamim on them so long as Yaakov was alive, because he didn't want to cause Yaakov Tsar. But now that Yaakov is not alive anymore, uh, Yosef, the brothers were afraid that uh, the, Shvat, the brothers were afraid that Yosef would harm him, harm them. 
and the brothers are getting nervous and they're recoiling. And Yosef says, "Don't worry, relax." He consoled them. He spoke to their hearts. What did he tell them? Says the Gemara Megillah, he told them the following analogy. Remember this Gemara? Yosef tells the brothers, if ten candles cannot put out one candle, how can one candle put out ten candles? What's Yosef saying? He said, when the ten of you surrounded me and you're about to throw me into the pit, that's ten candles. You couldn't extinguish me. Ten couldn't put out one. Now I'm one. And I could harm you. I can't harm you. If the ten of you couldn't harm me, I can't harm all ten of you. So the analogy that Yosef gives is if ten candles can't harm one candle, one can, shouldn't be able to harm ten. So why does he give an analogy about candles? You know, why did he say if uh, ten lions couldn't attack one lion, if ten tigers couldn't attack one, if ten, I don't know, Wild animals. Why is he giving analogy to candles? Says the Bartanura, Yosef did not make up this analogy. Yosef got this analogy from his first dream. In Yosef's first dream, he dreamt of candles. He dreamt of one candle, and ten candles tried to put out that one candle, and the ten candles couldn't put out that one candle. That was the first dream of Yosef. So you'll ask, if that was the first dream of Yosef, why isn't it in the Chumash? Why doesn't the Chumash report the first dream of Yosef? The answer is because when the brothers heard that Yosef said that he dreamt that ten candles can't put out one candle, the brothers said, okay, so we can't harm you, big deal. That doesn't bother us that you think that we can't harm you. It didn't get under their skin. When Yosef started to have dreams of grandeur, that they were bowing down to him, that bothered the brothers. But when Yosef said, the ten of you can't harm me, that didn't bother the brothers. So the first thing we need to know is that there's a hidden dream in Parshas Vayeshev. The hidden dream is, Yosef dreams, ten candles can put out one candle. Do you think it's a coincidence that in the Parsha before Hanukkah, the first dream of Yosef HaTzadik is he dreams about candles? Think that's a coincidence? Obviously this is the Parsha of Hanukkah, and the first Chalom is Nerod. They say, okay, not bad. Not bad. But why 11? So watch this. Herein lies the remez to all the candles of Hanukkah. Anybody know how many candles are there on Hanukkah? How many Nero total? With the Shamash? 44. Memdal and Neros. Mizmar Shir Hanukkah's vice, Lidavid. Lidavid, Gematria, 44. So Yosef has a dream. He dreams 10 candles, can't put out one candle. How many candles is that? 11. He tells the dream over to the brothers. He says, I had a dream. They said, what did you dream about? I dreamt ten candles, can't put out one candle. So that's another eleven. How many are we up to? Twenty-two. Then in Parshas Vayechi, Yosef tells the brothers, ten candles, can't put out one candle. Another eleven. Then how could one candle put out ten? Another eleven. The forty-four candles of Hanukkah alluded to, beginning Parshas Vayeshev, until Parshas Vayechi. Ten, Eleven in Yosef's dream. Eleven when he says over the dream. Eleven he tries to console them. The ten of you couldn't extinguish me. Then I can't extinguish you. The 44 candles of Hanukkah. You heard it here first. Okay, this is a remez to the 44 candles. Now, so you'll ask, what's it doing in Vayechi? What's it doing in Vayechi? Vayechi is after Hanukkah. Watch this. You think it's after Hanukkah. 
Yaakov Avinu passes away. Anybody know what day of the year does Yaakov Avinu pass away? Our tradition is he passed away Tesvav Tishrei, the 15th day of Tishrei, Sukkot. That's why Sukkot is connected Yaakov Avinu. And they cried for him for 30 days, and they embalmed him for 40 days. And how many total days of mourning for Yaakov Avinu? 70 days. Very good. Advanced mathematics tells us that 30 plus 40 is 70. So let's count. <coughs> 70 days from the 15th day of Tishrei, that takes us 2 months and 10 days. That takes us to where? Chaf, Hey, Kislev. The 70 days for the morning of Yaakov Avinu was over the first night of Hanukkah. Then they mourned Yaakov for seven days. On the next day, which is the final day of Hanukkah, Zois Hanukkah, Yosef says, My brothers, ten of you can't put me out. How can I put you out? So the 44 candles come to completion in the conversation Yosef has with the brothers. When? On Zois Hanukkah. So it begins, Parshas Vayeshev, Shabbat before Hanukkah, it ends Zois Hanukkah in the conversation of Yosef and the brothers. That's the remez to Hanukkah in this week's Parsha. Okay. Mechabdoi v'chayav mechabdoi v'misai. We honor our parents when they're alive, we continue to honor them after they go. I want to talk about two people, two mortal enemies. One is Esav Harasha, the red guy, the red guy. Esav would come tonight, he would check out the food, he would say, I'll go with the orzo. Give me some of the red stuff. That was Esav. And who's the antidote to Esav? Who's the kryptonite of Esav? Who's the adversary of Esav? Who? Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef, like we read last week in the Haftorah, V'hoya beis Yaakov Eish, Ubeis Yosef Lehava, Ubeis Esav Lekash. Esav is straw. Remember Rashi tells us at the end of Parshas Vayishlach, you read about all the chieftains of Esav. This guy, Magdiel and and uh, Eliphaz and all these Hevra and there are a lot of guys and we're starting to get nervous how are we going to knock off all these guys so Rashi says don't sweat it don't worry Ela Toldois Yaakov Yosef Yosef it's like the Pishtani the guy who has all the flax and he doesn't know where to put it where are we going to store it so we tell him don't worry just one spark will come out of the bellows and the whole thing will go up in flames same thing with Esau Esau has a big family Yosef comes with one, with one uh, flame, and he could consume, he could burn up the entire family of Esav. By the way, it's very interesting. You know, Yosef destroys Esav. Yosef is the antidote to Esav. That is why Yaakovinu is hanging out by his father-in-law. What's he hanging out by his father-in-law so long? You, you, stick, you stay a long time by your father-in-law? I mean, Baruch Hashem, I have a wonderful father but Some people... You know, they don't spend a lot of time by the father-in-law. They go, they say hello, and then they go home immediately. Take a fumayad, toch kedei dibor. Right? In the amount of time it takes to say, Shalom Alecha, Rebbe Umori, you're ready at the door. So why is Yaakov Inu spending so much time by the shver? Ruvain, Shimon, Levi. I mean, you know, most people, they have the first kid, they're by the father-in-law, the second kid. After a while, you know, you think the guy gets a little independent. Yaakovinu sticks it out. Zavulan, God, Asher, no, not until he has Yosef. 
because he knows he has to face Esav. He can't face Esav without Yosef. Once Yosef is born, the Pasuk says, Vayihi, Kasher Yolda Rocheles. Yosef, Yaakov says, time to go home. Lavan, it's been nice knowing you, time to go. Until Yosef is around, he can't, he can't go home. By the way, amazing thing, we're going to come to uh, Parshas Vayigash, and Yaakov Inu gets the good news that Yosef is still alive, and we have a very difficult Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vayoymer Yisrael, Rav Oid Yosef Benichai. He uses the word Rav Oid. Rashi's bothered. Rav and Oid mean the exact same thing. Rav Oid Yosef Benichai. What's this double Lashon? Says the Chumas Hadashan. All these 22 years that we didn't know where Yosef was, Yaakov's very nervous. Because we don't know where Yosef is. Esav is a force of destruction. So as soon as Yaakov hears the word that Yosef is alive, Vayomer Yisrael, Rav! You know who Rav is? Esav. The Rav Ya'avod Tsair. Esav is Rav. Rav! Esav! Od Yosef Benicha, Yosef's still alive. Watch out. That's the shot. Rav! Esav! Esav! I'll tell you another thing, just uh, parenthetically. We're coming to, uh, after Hanukkah, you have uh, Xmas. A remez that Christianity comes from Esav. This is from the student of the Ramchal. When Rivka was pregnant, he, she heard prophecy, Virav Ya'avod Tso'ir. The older brother, Esav, Ya'avod will worship Sa'ir, a Jew. That's a remez to Christianity. The older brother, Esav, Ya'avod, he will worship Sa'ir, a Jew. <laughs> That's a remez to their, their guy. Anyway, <clears throat> so we have this concept that Yosef is the destructive force of Esav. Uh, Let's try to understand that a little bit. Why is Yosef the antithesis and the kryptonite of Esav? What is it about Yosef that he has this chus to be able to knock off Esav? First, we have to understand who is Yosef's mother? Rachel. Rachel. Why was Rachel Zocher to have the antidote to Esav? The answer is very simple. Rachel, her whole life, figured she's going to marry Yaakov. Yeah? Leah, she's always crying. Leah has very you know, tender eyes. Why is Leah always crying? Because when Leah was in seminary, you know what the girls said to her? They took a picture of a red hairy guy named Esav. They put it on top of her bed. They said, this is your shidduch. This is who you're going to marry. And her whole life, she's weeping, crying that she's going to have to marry Esav. Now, when Rachel gives over Esav, when Rachel gives over Yaakov Avinu, right? Rachel had the opportunity to marry Yaakov. And she gave, it, she gave him over to Leah. When Rachel gives over Yaakov to Leah, then who's going to marry Esav? Rachel's going to marry Esav. So you have to realize, when Rachel gave up Yaakov to Leah, that means not only is she giving up Yaakov to Leah, that means she's going to have to marry Esav. In fact, when, she, when Yosef was born, she said, because so long as she had no kids, there's always a danger. Maybe Yaakov would send her packing and she'll go marry Esav. So it has to be that if she was losing out Yaakov Avinu and she thought she would have to marry Esav, midah kenegen midah, God tells her, not only will you not have to marry Esav, from you, you will be Zohar to have Yosef who will destroy Esav. 
In life, when you do a mitzvah, you think you're giving up. You're not giving up. Not only did Rachel get Yaakov, but for the moment she thought she would lose Yaakov and marry Esav, she was Zoycha to have Yosef, who would destroy Esav. So let's talk about how does Yosef destroy Esav? Why does Esav need to be destroyed? The guy's uh, he's, he's a Russia. What, what zechus does Esav have? Why do we need a force to destroy him? I mean, the man, he's Ba'al Nara Hamurasa, he's Kofar Ba'ikar, he's Kofar Ba'tchiyas Hamesim, he's a murderer, he does every Avera in the book. What zechus does Esav have? Kibar He has the big zechus of Kibar Big deal. What's so important about Kibar is that is that such an important mitzvah? That despite the fact that he's a murderer and an adulterer, and he does every Avera in the world, but he does Kibbut Aveim. Why is Kibbut Aveim such an important mitzvah that it overrides everything? And why only Yosef could counteract him? Why not Ruvain? Why not Shimon? Why not Levi? Kibbut Aveim is a very difficult mitzvah to fulfill. In a way, it's the hardest mitzvah to fulfill. The Gemara tells us, there was an Amora who said, Ashrei mi shalochaman. Fortune is someone who never saw their parents. Why? Simply, it's very difficult to fulfill the wishes and the needs of a parent. Sometimes they get older, they have a difficult situation. It's not an easy mitzvah to fulfill. Esav was the greatest in Kibar Abba'im. In fact, there was a Tana by the name of Rav Shimon Gamliel. Shem Gamliel said that I don't come to the toenails of Esav Harasha and Kibar Abba'im. Esav, when he would honor his father, he would put on special begadim, he would put on Big day chamudot, he put on a tuxedo, he put on a top hat, you know, he wore nice clothing. And Rav Shem Gamliel says, I wear my street clothing when I honor my father and mother. Kibbut Aveim is a very difficult mitzvah to fulfill. You know, Esav would always say, what do I need the Bechorah for? Hine anoichi hoylech lamos. I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Why is Esav walking around saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die? Says the Sefer Chassidim, what Esav was saying is, you know what I do every day? I risk my life to trap and hunt animals, to provide food for my father. Esav was Moser Nefesh. He risked his life daily to bring his father food. That's a very high level of Kibbut Aveim. Esav literally jeopardized his life to honor his father. Was there anybody ever in history who also risked their life to honor their father? Yeah, in this week's parasha. What happened in this week's parasha? Yaakov Avinu says to uh, Yosef, Hey Yosef, Lechna es shalom achecha ve shalom hatzon. Go check out how the brothers are doing. Now Yosef knew what that meant. If, you, if the brothers would see Yosef, they would kill him. What does Yosef t- say to dad? Vayoymer Yosef el aviv hineni akeda. The same Lashon as by the kid. I'm ready. You want me to come out? You want, you want me to get killed? For you, ready to do it. Yosef was Moser Nefesh for Kibbut Aveim. Says the Shevet Musar. You know the Shevet Musar is? Rabbi Eliyahu Itamri. If you want to come, we're going uh, next month to Turkey, to the Kever of Rabbi Lezer Itamri, uh, Eliyahu Itamri, and Rabbi Chaim Falaji, and the Baal Smichat Chachamim. And Mitch wants to come. <laughs> Don't take pictures of the Thank you. Anyway, so, Rebbe Leo Itamri says, 
You know, Esav wore special begadim to serve his father. Did anybody else wear special begadim to serve their father? It says Barshivet Musar. Not he made for Yosef. Yaakov said, you know what? I need someone to counteract Esav. He made for himself. Yaakov made for himself Kisonet Pasim that Yosef should be able to honor him wearing the Kisonet Pasim. So it's Zeh Le'umat Zeh. Yosef versus Esav. It's a battle of the Titans. You know, Monday night football. This is a matter of Yosef against Esav. Kibar Ava'im. By the way, that's why also, well, the whole Zechut of Esav is he's, he's crying. He cried when he lost out the Bechorah. That's why the only other person in Tanakh that's always crying, Yosef. Yosef's always crying. In fact, Esav cried two and a half tears. The Medrash says he cried one tear from the right side, one tear from the left side, and one tear that didn't come out completely. In the Chumash, Yosef cried eight times to be Mavatel Berov, the tears of Esav. It's Zel Umazat. Kibar versus Kibar Now, Here's what troubled me. You would think that if these two guys ever combated each other, ever confronted each other, that's going to be the real, you know, war. What's Yosef? Yosef's going to punch him out. He's going to punch him in the face. He's going to knock off his head. You know, you would have expected that at the Maran HaMach Yosef would come, knock off Esau's head, head going rolling. Did Yosef ever encounter Esau? Yeah, and it was like innocuous. It was like uh, nothing really happened. Esau came... And Yosef stood in front of mom and uh, all the other uh, mothers, um, Leah, Bila, Zilpah, they went first and then their children went. And then Yosef stood in front of Rachel and uh, Esau says, who's this, who's this? And that's the end of the confrontation. Nothing of note happens. But I would like to uncover that in this little encounter between Esau and Yosef, even though it seems like nothing happened, Yosef destroyed and shattered Esav lenetzach netzachem. Where? What? What happened? Watch. Let's talk about if Yosef needs to encounter and counteract the Kibar Ava'im of Esav, is there any way Yosef was better in Kibar Ava'im than Esav? Esav was pretty good. Nobody ever beat him. But there's a few details that Esav was lacking. Number one. Esav would always say, Yikravu yimei evel avi, and then I'll tell Yaakov. I honor my father so long as he's alive. The moment he dies, then I'm going to kill Yaakov. So Esav believed you have to honor your father and mother, but only when they're alive. Once they die, no shirim lezecher nishmasam, no kaddish, no azkara. Esav only believed kibrav em bechayav, nothing l'achar misa. Comes Yosef HaTzadik in Parshas Vayichi, and the moment Yaakov dies, what does Yosef do? He consoles the brothers. He says, don't worry. I honored you. I took care of you when Yaakov was alive. I will honor you and take care of you when Yaakov is dead. Mechabdo b'chayav, mechabdo la'achar misa. Siblings have to get along when the parent is alive, and especially after the parent is alive. The kibbin avaim does not stop when the parent passes on. In that sense, Yosef overcame the power of kibbin of Esav. But I would like to suggest there's another dimension where Yosef overcame the Kibar Ava'im of Esav, and that is Esav honored his father, yes. 
He got his father buffalo. He got his father, I don't know what, deer. He got his father steak. And Yitzchak liked it. He enjoyed it. How about Rivka? Esau hated Rivka. Esau couldn't stand Rivka. Esau and Rivka didn't get along. You know, the Ramban says that when Rivka died, Esau didn't go to the Levaya. He didn't show up. That's why the Torah doesn't say Rivka died, so as not to embarrass Rivka that nobody came to her funeral. Esau didn't come to his mother's funeral. He hated her. He hated her guts. So he was Mechabed Av, he was not Mechabed Aim. How about Yosef? I believe that is why. In the one encounter between Esau and Yosef, Yosef shows Esau, you know why I'm going to destroy you? Because I'm going to show you, and not only am I Mechabed Av, but in our little encounter, while all the other brothers, the woman goes first, Bila, Zilpa, Leah, I will stand in front of Rachel, and don't you lay your dirty eyes on her. I'm Mechabed Imo. And if I'm Mechabed Im, and you're not Mechabed Im, with that advantage, I destroy you. So, Yosef didn't have to say a word to Esav. He didn't have to strike him, he didn't have to club him over the head. He just had to show his advantage in the world of Kibar Im. There's an amazing phenomenon. And it exists both ways. Rab Aaron Leib Steinman, who was a Gadol Hadar, he observed that for the first time, basically in world history, in this generation, sometimes you could have people who are grandparents. They could be 50, 60, 70 years old, and they're taking care of their parents. Never happened before. You know, and after the Holocaust, people didn't even have grandparents. Now people sometimes have great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. You know the story about the guy, the Yemenite, in the early days of the state of Israel, he comes in, he wants to buy a life insurance policy. And you know, these, uh, the Yemenites, they used to say they're 150, 160 years old. This guy comes in to buy life insurance. The lady says, you want to buy life insurance? You look like you're an old man. How old are you? He says, I'm uh, 85. Lay says, you know, sir, you know, I may have a srim, but we can't sell you life insurance. How old are you? You're 85? He said, what do you mean? Last week my father came in and you sold my father a policy. <coughs> said, how, how old is your father? My father? father is 112. And we sold him a policy? He said, yeah. So she goes to the back. She opens up the file. Last week they sold the father a, a, a policy. She says, "Okay, if we sold the father, we could sell you. Come in next Tuesday. We'll sell you a policy." He said, "Next Tuesday, I can't come in. Why? What's next Tuesday? I have a wedding. Whose wedding? My grandfather. <laughs> your grandfather? How old is your grandfather? Grandfather. It's 139." And he's getting married? No, it's not him. His parents are forcing him into it. <laughs> so, you know, Rabbi Aaron Lee pointed out that in our generation, you could have uh, people who are older, older, and they're taking care of their parents. Why in this generation did God give this opportunity that people, they're ready, grandparents themselves, they're taking care of their parents? Because we're now holding in the end of days. And we got to knock out Esau. We got to give him the knockout punch. And the mitzvah and the zchus of Esau is kibbut ava'im. And therefore, God gives us one final chance to overcome Esau. He gives us extra opportunities for kibbut ava'im.
And on the other hand, the Savior of the Jewish people in the times of Purim was a woman by the name of Esther. And what, what do we know about Esther? Esther had ki ein av the ein la'im. Says the Medrash that God said, the only one who could save the Jewish people in the times of Purim is someone who has no father and someone who has no mother. Why? Why only someone with no father and someone with no mother could save the Jewish people? I thought, you know, in order to counteract Esav, you need to be mechabed ava'emi, you need that tzchus. And here God is saying, only someone with no father and no mother could save the Jewish people. And by the way, you know, in the history of the Jewish people, a very high percentage of Gedolei Yisrael were Yisomim. An extremely high percentage. And here, the Medrash is saying, God said, in the times of Purim, only someone with no father and no mother could save the Jewish people. It says Rabbi Yonis and Ibeshitz, the exact opposite, but the same point. Who does Esther have to overcome? Haman. Who is Haman fueled by? He's fueled by his Zayda, his grandfather, Esav. What's the zuchus that's fueling Esav? Kibar Avaim. If Esther would honor her father and mother from today, forever and ever, ever, she would never be able to outweigh the Kibar Avaim of Esav HaRasha. However, there's a certain way to do a mitzvah in the most perfect sense, and that is not to do the mitzvah. What does that mean? We know the Gemara tells us in Sech Brachot. Chishev Lasos Mitzvah. If you think to do a mitzvah. Venenas. And you have extenuating circumstances. Velo Asan. You didn't do it. Male Olav Kilasot. like you did it. Now. What do you mean it's like you did it? Who considers it like you did it? God. That means God is saying even though you did nothing. I give you a mitzvah. Now when God gives a mitzvah. What kind of mitzvah do you think he gives? A lousy mitzvah? The way we do the mitzvah? He gives his kind of mitzvah. You know the story about uh, this Chatan Bekala. The Kala is a multi-billionaire. The Chassan is a, his father is a schlepper. You know, the father sells plastic bags in outside of Flatbush. Okay? And the guy, he lives in a hut. And the kala is, he makes, they make a Rothschild look like uh, paupers. You know, there was once a Rebbe in Yeshiva. He said, if I would be Rothschild, I would be wealthier than Rothschild. Because I would tutor on the side also. <laughs> so, so, so the kala is a, is a multimillionaire and the chatan is a schlepper. So the father of the bride says to the father of the groom, listen, I'm going to pay for everything about this chasana. The Flops, you know, flowers, liquor, orchestra, photographer, shaito, you name it. The only thing I want you to pay for is get your kid a suit. Get your kid a suit. The father can't even afford to get a suit. He can't even, you know. He, so he finds some basement somewhere. He gets like a used suit. And the chatan is coming to the chasana. And he's riding on the horse to the chasana. And it's rainy and the horse flips over. And... <laughs> The suit gets dirty and it rips and he shows up to the chasana in an ugly suit and it's ripped and it's dirty. And the father of the kala takes a look at it and he says, vey, you can't come to the wedding like this. Fine, you tried to buy a suit, this time I'll buy you a suit. 
But when I buy you the suit, I ain't going to the basement in Borough Park. I'm going to buy you a custom suit the way I buy a suit. So when a person does a mitzvah, the mitzvot that we do, they're always limited. Do we do it with Avas Hashem? Do we do it with Yiras Hashem? Is it with all the details? Is it a perfect mitzvah? We can never do a perfect mitzvah. There's one way to get a perfect mitzvah. When you don't do the mitzvah and you yearn and you wish and you hope that you could have done the mitzvah and God says, oh, you wish you could have done the mitzvah, I'll bless you, I'll give you a gift, it's like you fulfilled the mitzvah. Says Rabbi Yonasan the only person who could have counteracted Esav's, Haman's, Kibarav is someone who never saw their father, never saw their mother, and their whole life they're thinking, oh, I wish I could have honored my father. I wish I could have brought him food. I wish I could have brought him clothes. I wish I could have taken care of him. And the whole life of Esther, she cried, oh, if only I could honor my father and mother. God said, you wish you could have done the mitzvah? I will bestow upon you the perfect mitzvah, and through that non-fulfillment of Kibar Avaim, you will destroy Esav, and that's why Esther was the antithesis of Haman. So it works both ways. Sometimes, you never know, you know, people, we don't know why we have certain circumstances. Some people are given the good fortune, Baruch Hashem, they have parents, and they should have them, and they could be Mekayim, the mitzvah, and that's a great bracha. And if you don't have that bracha, there's an element that's an even greater bracha, because you could wish you could be Mekayim, the mitzvah, and God bestows upon you the mitzvah. You see, in life it works, we never know, nobody knows why we're in a certain circumstance. Some people have the opportunity to do mitzvah, but whenever you see someone doing a mitzvah that you can't do, Ooh, this is, a very, this is the biggest opportunity of your life. Want to do the mitzvah. You go to someone who's making siyum hashas, great. You could barely read Hebrew. Perfect. This is, make sure you go to a siyum of big Talmud chacham and say, I wish that I would have the ability to learn like them. And then God says, okay, you're making your best effort. You're trying. You come to shiurim. You try to learn. You're giving it your best shot. I consider it like you did the mitzvah. You learned the whole Shas. Rav Avigdor Miller, Zechatzak Levracha, he writes, one of the main purposes of tefillah is what we're limited in action, we have no limitation in what we pray for. How much money do I make already? How much tzedakah can I give a year? How much tzedakah can I give a year already? A few thousand dollars? How, how many aniyam can I help? But I could wish I helped all the Aniyim and Kalis. How many yeshivot could I build? I don't know if I could build any yeshivot. But I could want to, I could be mispalel that Hashem should give Hatzlacha to all the yeshivot. Can I build a Jew could go upstairs after 120 and God would say, will say to him, Oh, thank you for building the Beit HaMikdash and Yerushalayim. Beit HaMikdash and Yerushalayim. The only thing I built was a, a shed in my backyard. I never... Yeah, but you prayed. You prayed, you wished you could contribute to the building of Yishalayim. You should know, most people think 
that, you know, in the morning when you're by Shacharit, you're basically in jail and you're not doing anything, but what, I gotta go to Shacharit, otherwise my wife's gonna think I'm a Gentile and the guy next to me in Shul is not gonna respect me, so I come to Shul, I flip the pages, and as soon as I leave, now I'm ready to actually accomplish something. Just the opposite. When you're outside for 11 hours a day, what are you doing already? So you make a few bucks. How much could you make in the whole day? You make $100,000 in one day? Anybody? Even that amount. And what are you going to do with $100,000? So you, you'll support one yeshiva. It will take you forever to accomplish outside of the Beis HaKnesset what you could accomplish in one Shemona What you could wish you would like to accomplish, you could accomplish in one Shemona more than your entire life in action. Yaakov Avinu says, word to Esav, listen to this. Esav, you think you're a hotshot. You honored your father. Im lavan garti v'taryag mitzvot shamarti. He didn't say v'taryag mitzvot kiyamti. And also, v'taryag mitzvot shamarti? He didn't honor his father. Shamar means to wish you could. V'aviv shamar et hadavar. Yaakov said, you did it. I wished I did all of them. That's better than you. Says Chassam Sofer. <clears throat> What's so special about Kibar Ava'im? In a certain sense, Kibar Ava'im is the most important mitzvah in the Torah. Why? There are ten commandments. So is not worshipping idols. Now, is it a big deal? When you go home at night, are you drawn to Google a picture of the guy with the eight arms and to start being kairim v'mishdachavim. I don't think it's such a big deal not to worship. But just because it's in Aseret HaDebrot, okay, it's important. In a sense, it's the most important mitzvah in the Torah. Why? You know, Adam Arishon, he did, he, he did a big problem. Apple. He ate, it wasn't apple, actually. It was... Uh, it was chita, it was gefen, it was te'ina, it was etrog, but it wasn't apple. Nothing to do with Steve, Steve Jobs. Okay? And other reason, he messed up. He ate the apple, he ate the fruit, and he ruined the whole world. Before other reason, people would live forever and ever and ever. People would be able to sit in Beit HaKnesset the whole day, nobody would have to go to work. There would be no tsar gidobanim, there would be no problems. Adam Rishon ate one fruit and he messed up the whole world. But not only did he mess up the world, he messed up the creation and he messed, he ruined the trees and the animals and the whole Buriah and he ruined the mitzvot. You can never do a pure mitzvah again. How do you do a pure mitzvah? Everything that was in the world was impugned, was ruined through Adam Arishon eating from the Eitzadah, he was makalkel kol ha'olam, except for one mitzvah. The one mitzvah that didn't exist. Kibar Ava'im. There's no father, there's no mother, says of Shem So the one mitzvah that retains its original status of pre-chet Adam Arishon is Kibar Ava'im. If there's one way to bring Geulah, bring the world back, to the level it was on before the Chet of Adam Rishon, it was Kibar Ava'im. So if you have parents, you honor them. If you don't, you wish you could. And these two avenues of fulfilling the mitzvah 
in a way, of course, Talmud Torah is the greatest mitzvah, but there's a dimension of Kivar Ava'im, which is the greatest element of honoring the... That's why, do you remember, when Yaakov Avinu comes in with the fruit to Yitzchak, what does Yitzchak smell? He smells... Gan Eden. Why does he smell Gan Eden? He only smelled Gan Eden? Yeah. Because when you do Kibar Ava'im, you smell Gan Eden, Mikedem, before the Chet of Adam HaRishon. He smelled the original Gan Eden. And therefore, we suggest that Yosef HaTzadik is the antidote to Esav. Because yes, Esav was Machabed Bechayav, Yosef is Machabed La'achar Misa. Esav says, Yikrivu Yimei Evel Avi. Yosef says, No problem. Vayinachim Osam, Vayidaber Alibam. He says, Ten of, the, the ten of you couldn't extinguish me, I can't extinguish you. And Yosef says to Esav, let's, let's have one little confrontation. There's one meeting between Yosef and Esav. And that meeting, we know everything. Esav comes and Yosef says, You're Mechabed Aviv, I'm Mechabed Imo. I stand in front of Rachel, don't lay your dirty eyes on her. And with that little encounter, Yosef obliterates the Zuchus of Esav forever and ever. That's why it's interesting. When Rivka tells Yaakov Avinu, bring, bring dad, the Matamim, she says, bring the Matamim, Shema Bikoli, listen to my voice. Why does she have to emphasize, listen to my voice? Because she knew she had to replicate the Gan Eden. Usually, when Esau brought in the food, Yitzchak smelled the Gan Eden, the Gan Eden of Kibar Ava'im. So she said, now you listen to me, and we'll produce the Gan Eden by you listening to my voice. That's the emphasis of Shema B'koli. So tonight, we gather together to learn the Vrei Torah, the patriarch of Rani's family and his father-in-law. And this is Begeder, Mechabdo B'moso. This is Kibar Ava'im L'achar Misasa. And the main Kibar Ava'im is that uh, the children and the grandchildren, they follow a path that in the Shamayim, the grandparents and the parents are proud of and brings them nachat. And uh, just to conclude, continuing in Parshas Vayeshev with the, uh, the theme of Hanukkah. You know, where does Yaakov Avinu tell Yosef to go? He says, go, Bishchem. They went to Bishchem. Bishchem. That's a very important word. Zohar Kadar says that after the 24th day of Kislev, which corresponds to the 24 letters of Baruch, Shem, Kavod, Machusol, Olam, Ba'ed, count it, there are 24 letters in Baruch, Shem, Kavod, Machusol, Olam, Ba'ed. Then comes the 25th day of Kislev, which is Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is for the 25 letters of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. That's what the Zohar says. That when you're finished 24, Baruch Shem Kvod Machusol Elam Ba'ed, you get to 25, which is the 25 letters of Shema. It says the Sefer Tzror Hamar. The reason why it's called Hanukkah is because the Maccabim, they fought with the uh, battle cry, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, Chanu, they were victorious, Chafhei, with the 25 letters of Shema Yisrael. Therefore Yaakov tells Yosef, Parshas Vayishev, we're getting ready for Chanukah. Where do you go to get ready for Chanukah? Bishchem. Baruch, Shem, Kavod, Machasol. So we're almost on the 24th day of Chanukah. 
We should be zocher that after the 24th day, Baruch Shem Kon Machosot, we should be zocher, Chanu Chafei, which is the 25 letters of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Aleikeinu, Hashem Achad. Our learning should be, Tzchus El Neshama for Mani Ben Rivka, Fal Yaakov, Sachar Natan Ben, Nechayim Yisrael Kohen, 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 Nechayim Yisrael